Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Yesterday, Louise and I were walking along the uh, Columbia River. There's this kind of walking trail that we go on just a few blocks from our house. And when we would pass people, we would all move six feet apart. And I still had to come up with something better. If you have any suggestions, something better than happy pandemic. But, but I, you know, because people are like, they're not talking to each other. I mean, this is what my friends in Scotland and, and the UK were telling me. Over the weekend, when we did this Zoom conference call, it was like, you know, yeah, we go out for a walk and people stay away from you six feet away, but they also are afraid to talk to you. They don't even establish eye contact. We don't know the new protocol. And so I'd just been trying to break the ice and say, happy pandemic. One guy said you know, yesterday, he laughed. He says, I've never heard that one before. Most people laugh when I say it, but kind of dark humor, I guess you would call it. Trying to make something out of this incredibly gruesome situation. That's the sad and simple reality that we're all facing right now, is that because Donald Trump spent two months ignoring his own spy agencies, ignoring his own Department of Health and Human Services, Alex Azar, for goodness sakes, you know, the, the guy who doubled the price of insulin when he ran Eli Lilly, Alex Azar, the head of HHS, asked for $2 billion for personal protective equipment. Back in February, the Trump administration cut it by 75%. But anyhow, as we're looking at this, you know, we're all experiencing shock and anger and, and frankly, nightmares. I mean, you know, there was a period the week before last where almost every night I was waking up in the middle of the night with bad dreams. That's largely past. I think, you know, this is how we process stuff. I haven't had a nightmare and none of them were nightmare quality, but they were bad dreams that, that were bad enough to wake me up. This is how we process stuff. This is how our mind processes stuff. About what we're dealing with here is how Donald Trump created this crisis in the United States and is now claiming that, well, yeah, 3,000 people died in China, but if uh, 200,000 die here, I did a really good job. We now have more than twice as many confirmed cases in the United States, population 300 million, as China does, population 1.2 billion. You say, well, I don't trust the numbers out of China. Well, look at South Korea then. South Korea has had fewer than 300 deaths through this whole entire period, and they're only adding a couple every day. We're adding hundreds every day, and we're on the verge of adding thousands. I'm talking deaths, not new cases, every day here in the United States. 
So, you know, as we're watching this guy lie and procrastinate and grandstand and BS us, and of course blame everybody in sight, there's a larger emotion, I think, you know, beyond the fear that the nightmares may reflect. There's a larger emotion, I think, that's reaching deep into the lives of probably most all of us, and that's grief. I am grieving the loss of normalcy in my country. I am grieving the failure of our national leadership. You know, in my lifetime, there has never been an administration this incompetent. And I think, frankly, in the history of the United States, there has never been an administration this incompetent. Herbert Hoover, when the stock market crashed in 1929, dithered and did nothing for two years, basically. On the advice of his Treasury Secretary, Andrew Mellon, who said, oh, it'll just flush out the dead wood. The economy will come back much healthier if you just let these failing companies die. In fact, his phrase, Andrew Mellon's famous phrase was, liquidate everything. Well, you know, finally, by 1932, and throughout 1932, in fact, Herbert Hoover started putting into place stimulus measures. He, you know, he got legislation passed. He got a Reconstruction Act put into place. Now, they weren't big enough. They were just a start, but he at least was trying to do something. Trump, you know, he leaves it up to Nancy Pelosi. So we're grieving the failure of national leadership. I can tell you, I am grieving the loss of my physical connection to my kids, the ability to go out and have dinner with them or visit them in their homes or sit around and play board games with them. We're trying to figure out ways around this, and not just my kids, my grandkids, my wife's mother, our parents. I think we're all grieving that. I think we're a nation in grieving and we haven't come to terms with it yet. We're grieving the reality that we will soon be grieving the death of friends and family. We're seeing national figures. Chris Cuomo, CNN's Chris Cuomo, the brother of Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, was just diagnosed with COVID-19. He's got fever and chills. He says he's going to do his show from his basement. He's self-quarantining in his family's home. He's particularly flipped out that his mother came over a couple days ago because she's lonely. And his older brother, Andrew, had just given them hell for that. You know, we're grieving the loss of work. Work actually is an important thing. Work for many people gives some meaning to their life in addition to a paycheck and benefits. We're grieving the loss of our paychecks. We're grieving the loss. You know, I'm taking no pay anymore. And I've got it you know, much better than most people. I still have something to do. And I still have a company that at least is supporting a couple of my employees. You know, knock wood. But I think, you know, I know there are millions of Americans who are grieving the loss of their paychecks. And Donald Trump says, well, we'll send him 1200 bucks. Right. Rent is due for many people. Mortgage payments are due. Credit card payments are due. Is a one-time $1,200 check going to help the way that help is needed? No. No chance. And yet the White House yesterday, when they were asked about Nancy Pelosi's suggestion that we should send a couple thousand dollars to everybody in the country every month on a regular basis to keep people above float, you know, like Germany is doing and France is doing and Denmark is doing and Finland is doing and Iceland is doing and Norway is doing it. I mean, I could just go through the list, right? Like all the, basically all the countries of Europe are doing. They said, no. The White House said, no, we want you, we, we've done our stimulus. No more spending. 
And several Republican senators have said the same thing. But, you know, we're grieving the loss of income. And the rest of us are grieving the loss of income for the rest of us. I mean, you know, those of us who have not lost income or who will be able to get through, you know, are on Social Security or something, we're grieving the fact that our friends and neighbors are losing their income. Yet we're figuring out ways through this crisis. I'm taking daily walks, I'm meditating. I found some exercise videos on YouTube that I'm doing. Because being sedentary, just sitting around will kill you. You know, it's not good for you. Louise and I are trying to, you know, we normally walk a couple miles a day. We're trying to up it to four or five miles a day. I'm taking long hot baths with a good novel. <laughs> I've done that much of my life, but you know, it's good relaxation. We're binge watching TV, not the news, but you know, right now we're binge watching Outlander. You know, this last season that's now on uh, Prime is much less violent than some of the earlier ones. We're Zoom conferencing with friends. We're FaceTiming with family and friends. I'm venting on Twitter. So those are the things that I'm grieving, and those are some of the ways that Louise and I are coping. How about you? What are you grieving, and how are you coping? This is the Tom Hartman Program. We're all mourning for our way of life. How are you working around it? Do you have a good greeting that's better than happy pandemic? Tom Adler says, I I say happy Trump virus. That's a good one, although happy Trump anything just kind of grates me. Uh, Curtis Lester says, when I have to shop, I thank the clerk and say, stay well. I don't know if it would work as a greeting. Anna B. says, you and Louise should wear funny outfits when you go for walks. People will notice and talk to you. Maybe. Maybe they'll just think, oh, no. (laughs) Uh, B.J. Doucette says, uh, I smile, nod, and say, be well. Some respond, some don't. The Kitchen Witch says, these are all on Twitter, says, I have the perfect greeting for social isolation walks. When I pass by from six feet, especially people I know still support the commander-in-chief, I call out to them, so how's all this American exceptionalism working out for you? Expectedly, I get mixed responses. Yeah, I'm a little wary about getting political on this. Jay, I'm assuming it's a him since it's at sensible underscore man, says, I can't hug my partner who's in medical and my sister. Uh, That's real unfortunate. Uh, One of my kids is rotating into the emergency room in a week or two, and the other one might. And my third kid is a public health official, is the chief public health official for one of the counties north of us, and and has been right in the middle of the scrum. And uh, Louise and I are really concerned about that and, and mourning that. Grace asked, if Republicans try not to certify the election in their states, don't they lose congressional and Senate seats too? No, the 12th Amendment scam that I think the Republican Party is getting for is limited to the Electoral College. So they can refuse to certify their Electoral College votes without sacrificing the votes for members of the House and Senate and local offices and things like that. Rita Boone says, Tom, I'm mourning the loss of common sense in the U.S., which has been lost long before COVID-19. And uh, Aaron Anachario says, you're exactly correct, Tom. The parking lot at the hospital I work at is relatively empty now, but the reason is because there are very limited visitation and elective procedures and non-essential clinics are all suspended. But, you know, we've got this whole coronavirus truther movement going on. It's bizarre. So let's pick up your calls. Candida in Seattle. Hey, Candida, what's up? I appreciate you asking what we're grieving, and um, I hadn't thought of it that way yet, but certainly you're right on. There's a bunch of things I know that 
when I spent time last night, my husband and I, one of the things we're doing is meditating more and doing it together, which is pretty powerful. And when we were doing a meditation last night with community online streaming, and it was a teaching in giving or taking and giving, taking other people's suffering, letting it ripen upon you, and then giving back that they would be free of their suffering. And it's a pretty powerful thing to do. And when we were done, I realized I felt this really deep sense of grief, and I realized I had been disconnecting from feels overwhelming, which is the suffering of others. And so, you know, during that, I had this profound experience of just needing to break down and cry. And for the healthcare workers, they're on the front lines and their families and the seniors that are home alone and and the women that um, are experiencing domestic violence that have to be home and the acutely ill and and the kids that are going hungry. I mean, just this like letting it in finally, while I think I thought I was protecting myself by not thinking about it too much, it's different than like reading the news, which I definitely have to shelter myself from, but certainly like letting myself touch into that tender pain that other people are experiencing. It's a huge grief. And I'm doing a ton of things to take care of myself. Walking, you had mentioned that, like doing lots of walks, running, just to get my body moving, doing a lot of yoga, meditating more and more, drinking less alcohol. Um, You know, at first it was like, this is a way to kind of cope with it, not like over drinking, but just like having a drink each night. And now I feel like, you know what, like just acknowledging that that's probably not the best way to do it either. Gardening, definitely like you and Louise, like my husband and I, we watch a lot of funny shows. We're very mindful about like Mm -hmm. watching things that make us laugh. And also like with our, my sons, which I'm very, very fortunate to be able to um, have both of my kids at home. And so just really recognizing that as much as we can here, because we have a lot, because we are still all healthy, um, to be grateful for and being grateful for Inslee for what he's done in this state to really shut things down. So focusing on that, but then also um, letting the, the suffering and the grief of what this is in is actually, I think, really important in healing. That's extraordinary, Candia. What a great list. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you for the call. I spent a week with the Dalai Lama back in 1999 or 2000. Uh, every afternoon, we had about a four-hour audience with him. There was a group of us. There's a movie about it. It's called Dalai Lama Renaissance, narrated by Harrison Ford. I tell you that to establish some authority for explaining what, I, what I'm about to say, which is that the Dalai Lama walked us through this meditation of compassion. I mean, he's the Buddha, he's the reincarnation of the Buddha of compassion. And it was very similar to what Candida just described, you know, just just opening your heart to the suffering of others and taking it in and then releasing it on their behalf, essentially. And it was really powerful. And and Candida, you just reminded me of that. I haven't done that in years. So I'm going to put that in my meditation this afternoon. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Thank you very much for that. Denise in Calumet, Michigan. Hey, Denise. I think one of the things we're missing the most is being able to go to church. This is like the most important time for Lenten season and the Passion of Christ, and I just think that this is a time when we should be remembering the suffering and being able to give more. So that's what I'm missing. I would think, Denise, that this might be a great time for us all to start new rituals in our families. You know, I, I, my, my uh, mentor, Gottfried Mueller, every Friday night in his home, 
you know, they would light seven candles and say a prayer and, and have a glass of wine and, and then not do anything until the end of the day, Saturday night. And he's Christian. <laughs> so, but it was a ritual that, you know, Louise and I adopted and, and many people we know have adopted. In fact, we did with our little group based on his work that we had this Zoom meeting with people in Scotland and Ohio and Colorado. Friday afternoon, in fact, the Shabbat. We did that together. One of our friends in the UK had her son light the candles on the Zoom feed. So thoughts on that, Denise? Uh, new rituals that might work for your family? Maybe this is a new Easter ritual that you can create? Well, you know, we're, we are doing our masses online, and we're sharing the sacrament of the Eucharist spiritually. There's prayers mm-hmm. you can do for that. And, you know, we're doing a lot of, like, spring cleaning, but right now you can't even bring anything away to the mm-hmm. charitable. I mean, everything's closed, but we're getting things ready to, when this is over, you know, bring everything away. We're, you know, we're, we're doing okay. We know we're doing it better than others. I mean, we live on the lake. We get to look out at the lake every day. We can go sit on our, on our deck, even though it's still winter here, on a warm day. I mean, we're doing okay, but we're just feeling bad about everybody in this world. And I've been, you know, Tom, I've talked to you a lot in the last couple of years, a few years, and you know I've been politically depressed, so we watch the news, but when Trump is on, we can't, we have to switch it. We can't look. Yeah. Yeah, I had to turn him off yesterday when he started his campaign rally conference. Louise and I put on a 15-minute YouTube exercise video, (laughs) and and I I was exercising with the little, little dumbbells. And then when we finished with that, he was still on. And so, you know, we went to another, another network. We went to the BBC because I just, the animal I can't. Plan is saving my life. <laughs> yeah. You there know, you go. You well, in our something. cat. Yeah, and our dog. Go yeah. Ahead. Half the members of our family now have found those uh, videos for cats over on YouTube where it's birds and squirrels and mice and all their cats are watching TV now. And then we're watching our cats watching TV. So, Denise, I got to run, but thank you for the call, and thanks for a great conversation, as always. I really think we're all in mourning more than anything else. I think that's the dominant emotion that is sweeping this country right now. How are you doing? You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Your support group for We the People. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity. And what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance, so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Rob in Tacoma, Washington. Hey, Rob, thanks for watching us on Free Speech. What's up? Normally, I would be driving around for my job and listening to you on the radio. It's different than I'm sitting at home making tea and cleaning the kitchen and, of course, watching you on TV. So that's a little bit of a change. But real quick, I just want to mention you were talking about things that people are mourning. I have a, a job where I get to interact with people and their pets, and especially since you were talking about walking around and, and greeting people. Obviously, we can't give our neighbors dogs their treats and give them the pat on the head and interact with them that way. And I think my job's going to be the same way pretty soon. We have a protocol with gloves and all kinds of cleaning of samples, et cetera, when we're in people's homes. So I think the interaction level is going to be quite different. And that's kind of a quick morning thing. But uh, oddly enough, no one really talks about well, what would it be happening in this pandemic if Hillary was in office. And I think mm-hmm. either way, based on the fact that uh, we lost February, at least thanks to the Donald's uh, ignorance and uh, willful ignorance, really. But I think we would have lost February anyway. And the reason I say that is because I think having listened to Rush, uh, you know, anytime I want to yell at my phone saying that's not true, that's not true, I'll, I'll flip it over. But I was listening when he was still calling it the common cold, folks, less than three weeks ago, really. Right. But I think because of the way the media uh, on that side pushes things, we still would have this absolute backlash of people saying it's their constitutional right to continue to, uh, you know, continue commerce and activity in America. We'd be battling this on a different level. We'd still be battling the right. I'm I'm sure all that's true, Rob, but what Hillary Clinton would not have done two years ago is she would not have disbanded 
the Pandemic Response Force in the National Security Council and the Pandemic Response Force inside the Department of Homeland Security. And those two agencies, those two departments and those two agencies would have been providing us with guidance, particularly one of the National Security Council. They knew back in December, they would have known in December what was going on because that's when the spy agencies were reporting it to the Trump and to the State Department. And then in January, when, you know, when we got our first infection here and South Korea got their first infection, I have to believe that a Clinton administration would have been doing the same thing South Korea was. They would have, they would have taken the WHO test kit uh, standards. They would have gotten, you know, it took, took South Korea one week to get 10 companies making those things. We could have easily done the same thing here in the United States. But I, I, I agree. With, I agree. there would you. still be the uh, coronavirus truthers out there, and they'd probably be five times as many of them. Yeah, probably. And I think it would be different uh, perspectives, meaning that the blue states probably would be in much better shape right now because we would have been proactive and listened to the science and actually listened to reason. But I think in the red states, which they're about to learn a, a painful lesson, I think that's where that would have been a lot stronger. And I think it, it is in a way now. But but I think you're right. I think that's the next level is where Trump's uh, you know base is going to realize, wow, this is this is pretty serious. And as their family members get sick and their communities have to deal with this, they'll hopefully figure that out. So, I think they're going to turn on Trump. What I'm curious about is, are they going to turn on Sean Hannity? Are they going to turn on Laura Ingram? Are they going to turn on Lachlan and Rupert Murdoch? Are they going to realize that while these billionaire oligarchs were preparing their own shelters and, and canceling Rupert's, Rupert's birthday party so that he wouldn't be exposed to anybody, at that same time, they were paying people to lie to them on Fox News. I, I'm wondering when or if that's going to happen. Bill in Lake Elsinore, California. Hey, Bill. Thanks for listening to KPFK. What's up? I'm a blind individual, so I'm going to speak on that in a second. Birds have returned in droves out here. I mean, there are tens of thousands now just having a ball outside. So there's one positive aspect, and the weather's real nice here. Bill, is that is that seasonal, or is that because there's not so many people around to scare them off? Because it's a ghost town. It is a ghost town. But uh, being blind, um, you know, I was wondering where the nightmares were coming from. And thank you for answering that question for me, because they've been bizarre. But I always live in isolation, and I've been fearful since I got lost in my mom's kitchen when I lost my vision. And uh, you want to know what real fear is. But yeah, I agree in them, man, the yeah. pandemic becoming the... Uh, Something's not right out there. Thank you, Tom. Love it. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. Thanks for the report, and thanks for the insight. That's uh, remarkable. Brian in Tacoma, Washington. Hey, Brian, your thoughts? My sense of grieving is just is mainly the, the most underlying one is mainly that through all this suffering and all this pain that we're dealing with, that some of it could have been avoidable if Donald Trump was a better human being and president. We won't have learned our lesson. Like, it'll all be for naught. You know, like, we're just as divided and partisan as ever. His popularity's ticked up. So I want out of this suffering, at least there's a silver lining, and I don't see it. Actually, his popularity is starting to go down, and his, uh, his marks on how he's handling the coronavirus is going down. And his campaign is freaking out that when this starts hitting red states, and it's going to hit Florida next week in a big way, and the week after that, it's going to start hitting other red states. When this starts hitting red states, you are going to see Air, uh, Donald Trump just fall off the edge of the earth, poll-wise. Brian, thanks for the call. Mike in Lameda, California. Hey, Mike. Hi, Tom. I was just hoping to... Uh elicit some prayers or thoughts for comfort for a lady named Marie who just lost her 24-year-old son. 
to uh, pulmonary embolism secondary to a viral pneumonia. Uh, Beautiful, beautiful lad and young man from our church who died without his mother being able to hold his hand or explain anything to him on the demise. Uh, So one of the things I've done to fight uh, the isolation and torpor is to go to Patreon and kick in a little for your show and Stephanie Millard, because I can't imagine being in this isolation without your shows. And another is that our governor has called for retired uh, health care people to sign up for a volunteer course. So I just went online and did that against all my better judgment, given my age. Wow. So uh, You're a, f- a former health care worker. Yeah, I retired four years ago at the age of 70 because I thought that was old enough. But, uh, yeah, I won't have that much choice if what we're hearing about uh, is not addressed in terms of protective care. But anyway, uh, what I'm mourning for a much longer period than young Quentin is uh, the loss of our civic norms and the... Mm bending over backwards of members of our press to not notice that we're in the hands of a psychopath. I mean, we're all in the 7th Cavalry, and Custer is in the White House. That's a great metaphor. It just occurred to me, too, as you said, that loss of civil, civic norms. I just suddenly it hit me. I'm mourning the loss of the ability to go to a theater or a restaurant. I, you know, I'd never realized how, how important those things were to me or how meaningful they were, I guess is the more better word. Or even to aggregate with a simple, you know, modest number of like-minded souls. Yeah. It's considerable yeah. deprivation. Yeah, it's going to be a long time before, before, uh, before we can get back together in, in any way other than virtual like we have right here. Mike, thanks a lot yep. for the call. That was very thoughtful. Sure. I, I appreciate the feedback. Cliff in Santa Clarita, California. Hey, Cliff. Instead of saying happy pandemic when you're taking your walk with Louise, get a funny hat and a little $3 red clown nose. You don't have to say a word. Just try to make eye contact with people as you pass Squeeze them along. Squeeze the wheeze? Honk yeah. the nose? No. Did you ever listen to that Fireside Theater album, We're All Bozos on This Bus? Oh, man, I, I got some fire sign back then, but I don't remember that one. It's, a, it's you know, good chunks of it are online. It is so hysterical. It's, it's Oh, yeah, those, uh, those guys were great. Oh, they, they um, were brilliant. This, yeah. I don't know if you remember one of your callers last week mentioned the Antichrist talking about Trump. And mm-hmm. I don't give it a much credence, Tom, because we remember, Tom, Ronald Wilson Reagan, 666. Remember how much we heard yep. that back then? Well, if Reagan hadn't cut the deal with the Iranians and and committed treason to make himself president, you would not have Trump president right now. You never would have had neoliberalism if Jimmy Carter had gotten another term. Well, I I agree with you there. But uh, that wasn't the reason, that wasn't the explanation for Reagan's presidency or his dirty deeds. It wasn't the Antichrist thing. Anyways, Tom, we have this, this horrific, amazing pandemic ravaging the globe. We're in a mass extinction, which for some reason never gets covered. Climate change. Yeah, I don't think this is an extinction event. Oh, you mean the, the, the larger environmental one? I get it. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Totally. Yeah, I get it. Cliff, I got to run, but thank you for the call. It's great to hear from you.
depending on our individual circumstances, there's all kinds of emotions that we're experiencing. People who have lost all their income and yet still have bills, they're experiencing shock and loss. People who have lost a family member or friend or acquaintance to the coronavirus or to somebody had a heart attack and couldn't get into the hospital because it was overflowing with coronavirus or what or didn't go to the hospital because they were afraid of adding coronavirus to the heart attack and then they died. I mean, these these kinds of stories are becoming more and more common. And soon there are going to be stories that all of us either tell or know someone close to us who is telling, you know, about death and loss and things like that. This is real stuff. But I think that probably the, the overwhelming emotion that most of us are feeling or many of us are feeling right now is grief. Grief at the loss of competent leadership in our country. If we're in red states, it's, it's even worse. I, I'm fortunate to live in a blue state where, you know, Kate Brown is our governor here in Oregon. She's doing a very good job of managing this thing. She's locked down the state. It's been that way for, I think, going on two weeks. I could be wrong, but for a while now. We're hearing good stuff in some of the blue states, but in the red states, it's like, you know, Ron, Ron DeSantis still hasn't locked down northern Florida. And, and there are red states where, the, you know, the governors are just thumbing their noses at people. It's, it's really pretty remarkable. So anyhow, in the midst of this, Donald Trump is out saying that if only 200,000 Americans die, he's done a pretty good job, which causes me to want to add a third question to my list or a fourth question. My, so far, my questions are, you know, are you grieving? And if so, what? What are you doing to cope with that? And we're kind of crowdsourcing solutions. I've shared some of mine with you, you know, from YouTube exercise videos to long baths to meditating. I would add to that trying to reach out more often to my wife and be closer to the people around me. There's a bunch of these things that are possibilities for us, things that we can be doing and ways that we can be here for each other. We're all working on those things. So uh, number two, number three was... How do you greet people when you're out walking? You have to stay six feet away from people. You want to say hi to them. I suppose hi is just fine, you know, or good afternoon. I've been saying happy pandemic and, and generally getting positive responses to it. But it's kind of gallows humor, you know. But let me add a fourth question to my list of questions for you. If Trump says only if only 200,000 Americans die, keep in mind we've had 3,000 Chinese die. We've had 3,000 Chinese die. We've had South Korea. They've only had, they haven't even had 300 people die. And they got their first case the same day we got our first case. But they started massive testing while Donald Trump started massive denying. He started lying to us. He didn't tell us about the briefings he was getting back in December and January from the spy agencies. He didn't tell us about his health and human services secretary warning him in January and then again in early February that we needed millions of, of pieces of personal protective equipment, that this was coming. He didn't tell us. I mean, he it not only didn't tell us, he lied to us about all those things, as did virtually all the hosts, or at least all the opinion hosts, on Fox so-called news, as did pretty much the entire right-wing hate media panoply or, or whatever you call it, pantheon. They all lied to us, and many of them knew that they were lying. 
And now, you know, we have this consequence. Now, in the blue states where the governors were actually listening to the scientists instead of listening to that fool in the White House, they actually started doing something, and they started doing something fairly quickly. But in the red states, they've been doing nothing, and it's going to get really, really bad in the red states. Mark my words, as a consequence of this, and that's going to take Trump down, and I think it's going to take a lot of Republicans down. There's going to be a reckoning in the fall. But to my fourth question, if Trump says that he's done a great job if only 200,000 Americans die, I need to take the word only out of there. If Trump says he's done a great job if 200,000 Americans die, it raises a question in my mind, what does he think his job is? What does this guy think his job is? If he's done a great job and 200,000 Americans are dead, you know, more than died in Hiroshima and Nagasaki combined, a third of what we lost in the Civil War, four times what we lost in the Vietnam War. I, I can't do the math on 3,000 to 200,000, but, you know, it's, it's like, what is that, a hundred, almost 100 times, maybe 70 times more than died on 9-11? If he thinks that's a good job, what does he think his job is? Does he think his job is to kill Americans? Does he think his job is to, like, you know, clean out the blue states? Because so far it's been hitting blue states, right? It's been hitting big cities. It's, you know, it hits Seattle, blue state Washington, Jay Inslee, he's a snake. It's now hitting Louisiana. Oh, John Bell Edwards. He's a Democrat. He, you know, we're not going to send him what he wants. It hit New York. Andrew Cuomo, a blue state, Democratic governor. Ah, you know, they're, you know, you know what they're doing? They're taking, they're taking the masks and respirators that we send them and they're selling them out the back door of the hospitals. Honest to God, Donald Trump has said that two days in a row on television. This mealy mouth con man in the White House is blaming healthcare workers and hospitals for his own incompetence that is causing them to be on the front lines of a massive pandemic and perhaps even facing their own deaths as a result of his incompetence. I mean, consider that for a moment. So what does he think his job is? See, I have an opinion about that. I have a theory. I think Donald Trump, and I've said this before, I've been saying this for months now, maybe even years. It's hard to remember that we're three friggin' years into this presidency. I think Donald Trump thinks that his job is to be game show host in chief, reality show host in chief. I think he thinks that Celebrity Apprentice moved from NBC to the White House and that every day he has to stage a production. He used to stage his production in, uh, in front of audiences of thousands of adoring fans. Now he's staging his production in front of tens of millions of Americans who are watching with slack-jawed amazement and horror. We're watching this reality show, the Trump reality show, every day on TV, Actually, I've stopped watching it. I just can't. I'm, I, I'm sickened by it. But people are watching this going, really? He said that? I mean, again, yesterday he was blaming nurses and doctors and paramedics and EMTs and janitors and orderlies saying that they're stealing. They're stealing 
these products and selling them out the back doors of hospitals. There's no evidence that that is going on. So that's what I think he thinks his job is. But let me add that question. And, uh, you know, then I've got, boy, we've got a pile of news here that I want to get to. Um, Especially some internal emails that we just got access to as a result of a Freedom of Information Act request. Red Dawn Breaking Bad was the subject field of an, an email chain that went around more than a month ago inside the Trump administration while they were lying to us. This is the headline over at Raw Story. Internal emails revealed Trump administration officials were warned about lack of protective gear early on. This is maybe the fifth or sixth time we have heard the same, essentially same kind of message. This is from Kaiser Health News. This is not from some left-wing site. This is Kaiser Health News. A high-ranking federal official in late February warned that, warned that the United States needed to plan for not having enough personal protective equipment for medical workers as they began to battle the novel coronavirus, according to internal emails obtained by Kaiser Health News. The emails show that medical workers and first respondents would not have enough masks, gloves, face shields, and other supplies known as PPE to protect themselves against infection when treating COVID-19 patients. By the way, we refer to the virus as the coronavirus or the novel coronavirus. When you've got the disease, we refer to it as COVID-19. It's sort of like HIV and AIDS. HIV is the virus, human immunodeficiency virus. AIDS is the disease that it causes. Just you know, for those of you who are confused or, or wondering about when you use which phrase. Back to these emails. The email is part of a lengthy chain titled Red Dawn Breaking Bad includes senior officials across the Department of Veterans Affairs, the State Department, the Department of Homeland Security, and the Department of Health and Human Services, as well as outside academics and some state health officials. Kaiser Health News obtained the correspondence through a public records request. These are actually from the emails. This is Eva Lee, the director of the Center for Operations Research in Medicine and Healthcare at Georgia Tech, formerly a scientist at the Atlanta VA Medical Center, health scientist, wrote, the demand is rising and there is no guarantee that we can continue with the supply since the supply chain has been disrupted. This is on February 25th. Dr. Carter Meacher, a physician at the Department of Veterans Affairs, again on February 25th, more than a month ago, wrote, we should plan, assuming we won't have enough PPE, so need to change the battlefield and how we envision or even define the front lines. The same day Melcher and others, I'm reading from the Kaiser Health News article, the same day Melcher and others raised the concern in the messages, Trump made remarks to a business roundtable group in New Delhi, India. So at the same time that his Department of Homeland Security and Health and Human Services and the Veterans Department and the Department of State, at the same time that they are talking among themselves, this is well over a month ago, about how we need to get personal protective equipment into our hospitals nationwide right now to get ready for this. At the same time that was happening, Donald Trump was in India with Indira Modi making a speech to a business roundtable group, and he said, and I quote, we think we're in very good shape in the United States. Let's just say we're fortunate so far, and we think it's going to remain that way. Right. Meanwhile, a new study has come out suggesting 
The study is titled Pandemic Politics, Timing State-Level Social Distancing Responses to COVID-19. It was done by the University of Washington. And it finds that states with Republican governors or majority Republican electorate have lagged far behind their Democratic counterparts in instituting social distancing policies. Those delays are, quote, likely to produce significant ongoing harm to public health. And again, I blame this on Trump, on the Murdochs, and on right-wing hate radio. They say our findings are unambiguous. Political variables are the strongest predictor of the early adoption of social distancing policies. The difference between the red states and the blue states or between, you know, conservatives. um, Could the the difference could translate into a significant number of human lives lost. Ron DeSantis, meanwhile, is still hasn't enacted a stay at home order for the entire state of Florida. DeSantis took days to crack down on spring breakers. The governor took no action to block 3,800 cruise ship passengers who were disembarking in Miami earlier this month after one of them had tested positive for COVID-19. He did absolutely nothing, just let them out into the population in Florida. And a lot of, you know, probably the majority of people who take cruise ship trips out of Florida ports are Floridians because it's cheap. They don't have to fly into town. The researchers theorized that the Republicans' delayed response to COVID-19 had been influenced by, quote, cues from President Donald Trump. Trump, quote, this is from the study, quote, strongly signaled that the coronavirus was an exaggerated threat or even a hoax, a position that was magnified and reinforced by Republican-leaning media outlets. Therefore, Republican voters were more concerned about Ebola during Obama's presidency than they are about COVID-19 under Trump. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. The Boston Globe today saying Donald Trump has blood on his hands. 3,000 so far. And he's saying if it's 100,000 dead Americans, he did a great job. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. 
Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Tom Harbin here with you, broadcasting live from my uh, sheltering at home home, <laughs> where Louise and I are, have been uh, just kind of hanging out for the last few weeks. We did, we did take one trip out. Um, it was two days ago. One of our daughters uh, needed her scrubs because she's going back into battle with this virus. So we had to drive them over to her house and and we were able to see our grandchild, although we stayed in the car and she stayed six feet away and we threw the scrubs at her. And it's, oh man. But you know, we're finding our way through this. And we're finding, actually we're finding a lot of extraordinary grace in many of these moments. I realize there are so many people who are in so much suffering and pain right now. And that's with only 3,000 dead and a couple hundred thousand cases in the United States. It's going to get far worse, and I realize that too. But we still have to look for the moments of grace. We have to look for ways to adapt. We have to build our own resilience. Luigi in Pensacola, Florida. Hey, Luigi, what's on your mind today? What are you mourning? Hi, Tom. Uh, Long-time listener, first-time caller. Yes, I live here in Pensacola. I'm thinking about the truth. You know, it's been three years. Not that the other administrations haven't once in a while gone off the track, but to listen to this person and the people at Fox spout their nonsense and you're dealing with people's lives. You're killing people. I, 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 how do these people go home at night and, and, and talk to their families or if they even bother with their families? And, and, and how do they look at themselves in the mirror? I, I cannot get that. My wife and I talked the other day how fortunate we are because I'm a 55-year uh, year member of a union. I'm retired. I've been 12 years, but I still pay my dues. I get a, a good pension in my health care. I'm fortunate. And she cries all the time because her nieces and nephews don't have what we have, and we try to help them. But my goodness, I, I just I get so flustered at time at these Trumpettes, and 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 I tell them, but go go live there, and your little as you said one time, I think you call them a racist barnacle. I mean, racist talk show host. Thank you. And uh, I'm thinking, yeah, why are you coming out here in this universe here with your nonsense? Stay there and live with one another. I, I just don't get it. And I get so angry. Yeah. And I try to make people happy. That's my day. When I can make someone smile, no matter where it is, that's how I feel. I'm sorry. I'm going off. Blah, 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 blah. As my wife accused No, that's great, Luigi. That's great. I, you know, I, I, I'm assuming your question wasn't rhetorical because I've asked that question before. I've, I, I used to right. wonder it back in the 80s. Um, when we were struggling to raise teenagers and not have them get addicted to tobacco and in Atlanta. And I was asking out loud, in fact, one day I just in a moment of absolute screaming frustration when one of our kids, we caught her smoking and Louise had just been to the supermarket earlier that day and there was a giant Joe Camel display, you know, with cartoon characters and stuff <laughs> right by yeah. the checkout line in the, in the supermarket. And I called the local um, uh, RJR office, they're headquartered in Atlanta. We lived in Atlanta at the time. And I called their office and, the, and this poor, you know, woman who answered the phone, um, <laughs> I, just, I just unloaded on her. I said, how can you even work for these criminals? You guys are selling death and you're trying to, you killed my father and now you're trying to kill my children. And she just said, I just need a paycheck, sir. And I, suddenly I felt <laughs> exactly. like a complete ass. 
And yeah. uh, so, you know, I, I think in answer to your question, if it wasn't rhetorical, Luigi, you know, Sean Hannity no, is no. a multi, multi-millionaire as a result of the lies that yeah. he's been peddling for years and years. And and that's true of probably the vast majority. Of the, pretty much anybody who's on Fox is worth multiple millions of dollars. And so, yeah. you know, they go home to the same mansions and strut around thinking, you know, in this Calvinistic worldview that God has proven that they're good people because he blessed them with wealth. And, and it's the yeah. same way the tobacco executives think. And, you know, it's, this is Betsy DeVos's religion. This is Calvinism. I mean, literally her yes. religion. And, and I think it's, it's, the, it's essentially the psychology of the vast majority of these guys who feel that they need a rationalization. And then there's other ones who are just total sociopaths. They have completely bought into the libertarian worldview to hell with everybody else. As Margaret Thatcher said, there's no such thing as society. It's only a collection of individuals. Um, you know, I have the, the, mm. the people, these people believe that they have no obligation to be their brother's keeper. And in fact, they take that question from the Bible uh, and, and turn it into a rhetorical, yeah. no, I'm not my brother's ke- keeper. I, I really think that they're, what we're seeing now is a sorting, a very clear definition, and it's becoming more and more visible to everybody that there, are, there is a group of sociopaths who have enormous wealth and power and, and hold positions of influence. Uh, obviously, one of them in the White House right now, the people around that guy in the White House, or at least many of the people around him, I think Anthony Fauci is probably trying to do the very best she can. I'm not I sure agree. about Deborah Birx. Yes. She keeps trying to, trying to kiss his butt. Yeah, um, but, I, I, you I, know, I, that's the price of the job. Her. Yeah. yeah, I think probably I in the case like of those two, they're thinking that, uh, you know, well, at least I can do some good here. I may have to kiss his butt every day, but at least I can do some good. Luigi, I got to move along, but thank you for the call. It's great to hear from you. Nancy in Belmont, California. Hey, Nancy. The thing that I'm grieving the most is rational discourse with my two siblings. And you asked the question mm-hmm. earlier about what is Trump's job and talking about uh, the production quality from the uh Trump TV show that goes on every day. If I happen to call my brother, who is in a Chicago suburb, during that press conference, he will say to me, I have to call you back because I need to listen to the greatest president we've ever had. So totally drunk the Kool-Aid and more worried about his financial portfolio than anything else that's going on. My sister also has drunk the Trump Kool-Aid and lives in North Florida, and I'm so concerned. I'm so concerned about that they're just not paying attention. I can't really speak reasonably with them about it, and I just don't know how to deal my own deal with my own sense of just are they going to do something crazy? And I don't know. I, that's the thing that I'm struggling with right now is personal family relationships. <laughs> yeah, and grieving grieving the fact that you can't you can't talk to your brother and sister. I can't talk that's... to them about it. They don't. They they repeat back the Fox News misinformation to me constantly so yeah it's really both frustrating and terrifying yeah in my uh you know when i go for a walk uh particularly when i walk alone that's that's my time to kind of talk to the sky and one of the things that i'm constantly saying is please awaken people you know it's just i i i think all we can do is pray for people like that and send them and i will be there for them be supportive of them yeah and uh, but that's I don't I don't have a solution. But that's a that's a that's a solid one. Nancy, thank you for sharing it's that a, story with us. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, it's good talking with you, Sam in uh, Oray, California. Am I saying that right, Sam? Or Colorado? Excuse me. Yeah, in Colorado, Tom. Uh, appreciate you taking my call. Love your show as everybody else does. Uh, 
you raise a little town it's like we're at eight thousand feet about 900 people and yeah i get to run walk uh during the day the way we meet is put our hands together say namaste we respect your spirit your divinity and and uh just kind of is your town populated with old hippies <laughs> I'm one of them. Me too. <laughs> yeah. I think Namaste is great, except a lot of people won't know what you're saying. I mean, you know, maybe in Ore they would, but uh, I'm not sure that the people yeah. walking along the Columbia River. Yeah. Would. I Right. I did that to a guy in Pennsylvania, and he said, what the hell is that? <laughs> right. But, but uh, yeah, I just had a few, uh, you know, I'm, on, I'm a first responder. I'm on the rescue team here and all, and, you know, what I'm hoping for more than anything is that the Dems can really use this opportunity to push the FDR agenda that the conservatives destroyed starting 40 years ago. To me, socialism just means come together, and socialist policies work during disasters and war. Capitalism does not. And, you know, just a few things I've kind of noticed is like I was watching the Minister of Health in Ireland. They nationalized their health care, and it's really showing the gap in our health care, obviously, and maybe that can be addressed, mm-hmm. you know, like Pocan when he comes on and Representative Mo and all. You know, we need to use this opportunity. The Republicans always use it against us. We need to use it for us. We could also show the gap in the wages with people going back to work after they've made pretty good. The essentials aren't even making a a living wage. And with the $600 boost, they get a little taste of it. Maybe when they go back to work, they go, hey, I'm not going to come back to work for $7.25 an hour. You know, you're, you're freaking crazy. Uh, yeah. Well, that's that's happening right now. I mean, you've got Amazon workers and Instacart workers and and uh, people right across the spectrum who are saying, you know, we want hazardous duty pay or we want just a decent wage. Sam, I got to run, but thank you for the call. It's great to hear from you. I think that we are going to see return to rational economics, that, that this is going to be the point at which America rejects Reaganomics. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. It was rational Keynesian economics, FDR economics, that got us out of the Great Depression. And it was Reaganomics that threw us into this mess. Mike in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Hey, Mike, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom. Cheese greetings from the shores of Lake Michigan. (laughs) I like to say cheese as a greeting because you can't help but smile. Right. And, and well, in Wisconsin, always, people will get it. But here in Oregon, I don't think anybody's going to get it if I said cheese. Yeah, but at least uh, you're looking at somebody who's got a smile on their face when they say cheese back. You can't help yeah. but smile. Yeah. So uh, I, th- I think for, I'm going to just have to go back to saying hi or something like that. Because, you know, somebody <laughs> on Twitter pointed out that if you say happy pandemic and that person has had a person die in their family, I mean, that that's a greeting that isn't going to be useful very much longer. Agreed, agreed. I'd like to uh, uh, invoke that, uh, you know, even in challenging times like we face today, it's really an opportunity. And I refuse to be feeling helpless or the feelings of fear or despair. 
it just seems to me now that we have so much more time on our hands and right after we get uh, our wife's honeydew list uh, taken care of, cleaning out the garage mm-hmm. and the basement, you know, now we have time to delve into a lot of things that we've longed to do or certainly what I believe we need to do today. And that is mm-hmm. increase our awareness, get involved in, in uh, civic duty and responsibility Um we have an opportunity now with, what, 70 million, 75 million people staying home to use our time in very, very wise, uh, you know, ways. And I think, you know, just like, you know, the tag, you're it mantra, this is it. This this could be a very uh, meaningful time and a godsend, if you will, of an opportunity for us to do what we need to do and learn about ourselves, what's important to ourselves, to our communities, and jump in and lend a hand. I think, you know, the more that we do the right thing and and we try our best to, you know, create positive change and we show people that you care, I think you're going to get it back to you many times over. Instead of being uncomfortably numb... Uh, in this time, you know, I think it's time for us to, to seize the moment, have a renaissance of awareness, and go out there and, and be useful and, and have a purpose. And if that doesn't, you know, make you feel better, I don't know what will. I think yeah, we have a I'm chance to That's, do it, and right now is a great time yeah, to do it. You're absolutely right. Mike, thank you. That that was that was uh, inspiring. That <laughs> was a great one. Michael in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hey, Michael, what's on your mind today? I just wanted to let you know that Rick Wilson had tweeted earlier, Mitch McConnell was on with Hugh Hewitt this morning, and I guess the whole uh, right-wing message machine is at it, and they're going to, again, go after Dems and blame impeachment for the lack of any action taken by Trump over this coronavirus, which I just find utterly amazing. I mean, the man managed to golf Let's see, January 4th, January 5th, January 18th, 19th, February 1st, February 2nd, February 15th, again on March 7th and March 8th. It wasn't until the 13th of this month that he even declared a national emergency. Right. And I think when do you do you recall the date, Michael, because I'm seeing this all over all over Twitter and all over the right wing websites that the reason why the Trump administration was not prepared for this, they're starting to admit that they were not prepared for it. And the reason that they were not prepared for it was because Trump Trump was preoccupied with impeachment. When did the impeachment vote happen? I don't recall, frankly. It was before Um, Christmas. Well, well before Christmas. Well, the impeachment vote itself, yeah, was. In the House, it was in December, but are you talking about him being acquitted? Yeah, in the Senate, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I want to say he got acquitted like around maybe February 5th. Oh, really? It was that recently? You know, I'm going to have to look it up, but this is going to be their narrative. You know, they've decided on a narrative. As the people in the red states start to die, they're going to say this is because the Democrats were impeaching Trump. And exactly. And, uh, yeah, I just got you know, get ready for Wednesday, it. Wednesday, February 5th was the um, day he was acquitted. And he had all the time in the world to hate tweet everybody during impeachment. If 
if we recall, he oh, must have been sitting on his golden throne. Well, it wasn't like the, he was busy. He was not complying with any of the congressional subpoenas. You know, uh, Bill Clinton exactly. turned over like 10,000 pages of documents and things. Trump turned over not one single document, not one single Correct. witness. So, you know, b- b- the bottom line here, Michael, is there is no lie that is too big for these guys to tell. There literally is no lie that is too big for them to tell. Kimberly in Rochelle, Illinois. Hey, Kimberly, what's on your mind? I work at a certain big box store, which has not closed. Hmm. And every day I'm seeing the worst of it. <laughs> what do you mean? Every day seems to be Black, Black Friday over and over. People are not mm-hmm. obeying any of the suggestions. We have masses of people and mainly families with small children coming in every day, shopping, visiting, wandering around. And it makes me very angry. I used to like my job. I get mad every wow. day. But where where is Rochelle, Illinois? Are you in a rural area or in uh, the middle of the city? Uh, Northern Illinois. It's mm-hmm. in between like Chicago and Rockford. I guess my question is, you know, it seems like in the urban areas where you've got more, frankly, more Democrats, you have people who seem to be more well-informed about this and are behaving well. And in the rural areas, you've got people who just watch Fox News and they seem to be ignoring these rules. And and that's it. I I seem to be a little dot in a big state. From what I've seen, people are treating it like a joke. I've had people laugh at me when I try to step back from them and distance. Mm -hmm. We've had angry people screaming and getting in our face. And it's just, please go home. Please stay home for the safety of your family, if not yourself. You know, I worry about what I bring home to my family. But on the flip side, we're trying to make the best of it when I am home. We Zoom. I actually have set up this afternoon. I'm going to Zoom with my aunts and uncles and cousins. And we're going to have a we're going to have a family dinner through video. That's great. That is great. Um, We're we're going to be doing that every night with our kids. We actually have been going old school. We avoid the news. I mm-hmm. frankly get my sanity from Progress and Free Speech TV and you and Stephanie Miller. And But we've been watching Dick Van Dyke every night. <laughs> oh, and that's great. Isn't it ironic that that's like, in New Rochelle, which is where this uh, New York explosion right. started? Yeah. It's amazing. Um, but we've been watching that. And then also the arts. I'm a theater person. You brought up theater earlier. And I am very involved with my community theater, and I was actually going to be in a couple of shows coming up and directing this summer. It's all canceled. It's all postponed. But mm. we've looked at how many artists and the art that has become available online. So mm. we found several links that are showing Broadway shows for free. And you can see the stage show and maybe shows you've never seen or would have had mm. opportunity to go and see. And these the are performances that, I, I, that are being done without audiences, or these are just former performances? Um, they were former performances. It's like um, two nights ago we watched Mean Girls, the musical. Huh. And it was the Broadway show. It was in front of an audience, but they had recorded it. So you still yeah. see Where'd the show that? on stage as it was. And it's Where, fantastic. Was, was that it's Netflix just, or Hulu or what? How, how did you find um, it on YouTube? That one was on YouTube. Uh-huh. And it's like there there are Interesting. several on YouTube. There's also, if you go, um, I believe, on stage, which is a mm-hmm. theater blog, they had links to it, to all the different shows that are available. Oh, really? And so we've been doing that. And 
I myself am an artist too. I usually host paint parties or craft parties. And now with Zoom, I'm actually putting together to do a paint party online. Oh, that, still have you used Zoom before or is this your first uh, excursion? <laughs> I, uh, we've used it a couple of times. Actually, we had a, a theater board meeting using Zoom. And hmm. I, had it, I had kind of heard of it. I hadn't really used it. And now it's just the greatest thing ever. And they must be getting such yeah. a boon from this because everyone's using it. It's it's a great they way are. to They are. Their stock price was up 150% this year. <laughs> right. Uh, luckily, our world has shrunk. We're, we can still communicate. We can still see each other without mm-hmm. being near each other. I think a whole new world of stuff is opening up in some ways. As much as we're mourning the loss of some of the things that we had, you know, our old normal, the new normals are coming along. And some of them are going to persist for, for quite a while. Kimberly, thank you for the call and thanks for all your stories. They're marvelous. I really appreciate it. Don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. And there's a lot you can do just from home to help participate in our democracy and strengthen our democracy. So electronically speaking, get out there, get active, tag, you're it. And, you know, be nice to somebody, reach out to somebody, find ways to, to, to not just make the best of this, but improve on this. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great afternoon. Be safe. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.